Good morning, church. Man, today I'm excited. I love today. We started this a few years ago, but before I get into that, let me just say welcome to all you guys that are watching online. I know we still have a large portion of folks that are new uh, new to the church and some of the home folks have been staying at home, and that's great. We worship with you. We bless you there at your house or on your phone or your tablet or wherever you are. And uh, for those of you here, again, it's just great to see you guys in person. Um, I know we have some people traveling and you're visiting with us today. Um, welcome to the metropolis that is Screbin County. And uh, I pray that not only the county welcomes you, but that you know you're loved and, and welcomed here, no matter what part of the world you're from. Um, what we're doing today is we call this Five for Five. Several years ago, this is maybe our fifth or sixth year, maybe. Um, I just I was talking with uh, one of the a guy in the church actually, and he was sharing with me what God was dealing with him and what God had put on his heart. And I thought, you know what? It's why can't the the body of Christ hear this? You know, there's a in the South, especially in the deep South where we are now. There's this idea that the only one that gets up here is the preacher, because he's the only one that's got anything from God. And that is just a lie, because the Bible speaks to you, the Bible and God speaks to you just like it speaks to me. And a lot of you have experiences that I don't have. I'll never have, and I can't relate to people who have, because it's just out of my um, realm of experience. So we started this five for five, and we decided we give five people five minutes. Um, we, I usually laugh every year because I go and ask people, and they all kind of look at me like, like deer in headlights, like, you want me to do what? I can't do that for five minutes, but uh, five minutes goes fast. So to help them out, you guys won't see it, but on the back wall, there's going to be a huge clock on the back wall, and that will give them their five minutes. And so, and we've warned them, we've got gongs and bells and whistles, so if you just take off going, we've instructed the tech team in the back, they're just going to mute the microphone, because everybody's going to get a chance. But I want you to sit and watch, it's funny to me how... God always weaves together a central message, a theme between five people. And until just about 30 minutes ago, the five people didn't know who the other four were. So they, there's no way for them to talk. And it's just always fun to watch God weave it together. And it's just a, it's an amazing time. So if you guys will, we'll switch the screen over in the back to five. And uh, our first one, somebody's been here a long time. Uh, she is grandma number three to my, my kids. Um, they take good care of my kids. My kids refer to her and her husband as grandpa and grandma. Um, we just, they, they just got a little more color than their other ones. Um, but if you would, why don't you give a big hand for Miss Alma Harlan. Good morning. And first of all, just like he said, you're looking at, well, looking at the phone because he prefers to text you so you can't, you know, hit him or do anything, you know. <laughs> so, yes, but you're looking, I'm staring at that phone like deer in headlights because my thought on this was that you only had to do this one time. Now, <laughs> I know others have done it more than once, but I just thought, oh, they just like to get up and talk. You know, that's fine. But anyway, I'm going to share a little bit this morning about the faithfulness of God. Because um, some of you were here last time when I shared about being diagnosed with breast cancer and how God just miraculously took take care of that. I had surgery, um, went through the whole nine yards, and when the the diagnosis came back. I mean, the doctor was the deer in headlights because there was nothing. And um, I always say that I can use that, you know, as my trump card. I don't have to look for anything because I can tell that every day because somebody somewhere needs to hear that, to know that there is hope and God is faithful. He will always do what he says he will do for us. He will take care of us. And on Psalms 119.90, the NIV version says, Your faithfulness continues through all generations. 
not just one generation. It didn't skip my generation and go to my children. It went on and on and on through all generations. So, and another thing that came up here recently was um, I'd gone out doing some shopping or doing some things. I don't remember what I was doing at the time. But when I got home with the um, pandemic and everything that's going on, I got home, Ken was on the phone. I walked in the bedroom and he done something. I don't know what he meant, be quiet, get out or whatever, I don't know. He done something with his hand, so I was just, so when he got off the phone, he says, well, guess what? I don't have a job. So I'm thinking, okay, well, wow, that stuff I just bought, maybe I shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> So, but, um, okay, quiet. So, anyway, you know, and my, we always had this little thing going. One day he asked me, um, do you have any money? And I said, yes. As long as you have a job, I have money. <laughs> so I'm like, oops, maybe I don't have any money. <laughs> so... But God has taken care of us through this. I mean, we hadn't lightened for anything. I hadn't had to stand in the circle with the bucket. Um, everything just falls into place, you know, just like, I mean, just never miss the beat. And so my point is just find you a verse, find you a scripture, whatever you're going through, and just know that God is faithful to his word. He cannot lie, he will not lie, and he is always there for you. As long as you just stand firm and trust in him, he will be there, and you have no worries. She told me she wasn't going to take five minutes. She was... <laughs> All right, our next speaker is uh, a guy I've gotten to know fairly well over the last year or so, and he actually went with us to Honduras. Uh, where's Buddy? Buddy, you guys come on up here. Um, and uh, it's been fun to get to know he and his, his wife, uh, and it was fun to watch him experience Honduras for the first time. And uh, he also had... Uh, he, I didn't see it, but I'm imagining when I sent him a text message, said, hey, you want to do five for five this year? He didn't hesitate and said yes, but I imagine he had that same look. So if you guys will, give a hand to Mr. Buddy Bell. Good morning. When Pastor Clint asked me to do this, my first, well, my first thought was that uh, he may be losing his mind because <laughs> I'm probably the farthest person from a public speaker that you'll find. But my next thought was, I don't have a very compelling testimony. I grew up in church, Sunday school, Bible school, so God was always a part of my life. But I thought, you know, what has God done for me? What does he continue to do for me on a daily basis? And I come up with peace through faith. For those of you who don't know me very well, I worry more than I should, and I tend to overthink things, for sure overthink things like this, and I, um, I like to have a plan, especially with my life, and I don't know how your life goes, but that usually takes a detour. That never, uh, never goes quite as I plan. So, I don't know if you call it being strong-willed or stubborn, but uh, I used to fight that. I would always fight that for some reason and, and just never accept that God's put me in this situation. This is what I should be doing. So I then came across a Bible verse one morning, reading a, reading a, reading a morning devotion, and it's Isaiah 43.2, and it says... When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And to me, you know, that really told me pretty much everything I needed to know. That told me no matter what I went through, what I was going through, that God, God would see me through it and I would come out as good or better than when I went into it. 
So from that, I decided to put my life in God's hands and listen to the direction that he, he led me to go. And by doing that, I really can't tell you how much more at peace I am with my life and the decisions that I made and make. Even the ones that don't go as I think they should, you know, just by trusting God, it gives me, gives me that sense of peace. And usually, the ones that I think are going to work out terribly initially end up working out better than I could have ever imagined. So I want to close by telling you a few things, and that's have faith. And I don't mean just faith in, you know, when things are going good, or just faith that, that there's God. I mean faith, especially during the bad times, and faith, faith during times of discomfort. Because some of the bad situations will turn out to be some of the best blessings that you'll ever receive. And I also want to add that when you pray, Pray specifically. Generic prayers aren't nearly, nearly as effective as heartfelt prayers that target particular needs. Most anxieties are threatening because they're ill-defined and vague. Thank you. Good job. You can't tell. He's got a mechanical, very planned out, very logical mind. He's also a pilot, so he literally files a flight plan before he goes anywhere. So <laughs> thank you for stepping out of your box there, there buddy. Um, our next one, and y'all going to have to help me because I know she's nervous. She's looking at me back there, is Miss Heather Stewart. Why don't you come on up, Heather? When I sent her a message, she, and uh, I did, I was on to something by sending text messages because people don't talk back. <laughs> She said, come on out. She sent me back. I can. I think I might uh, might be able to. No way. I don't want to. Oh, wait. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> but uh, I've watched her and Josh their lives. I've watched her and the kids. And uh, she doesn't know this, but if, if you are a social media type person, you need to follow her on Instagram. Um, she's constantly posting pictures of her family and her kids and her husband and her family and her kids and her husband. And occasionally a, a coffee. Um, but I say that because it just it encourages me to watch a mother not only uh, pray over her family, lead her family, but um, just speak well of them, speak good of them, and, and raise two kids um, that know God and love God and, uh, and, and do a good job at it. And uh, so if you will, give another welcome to Miss Heather Stewart. I'm really nervous, y'all. All right, so we're going to start in 2008 when we could hug and shake hands and Mark Rick was coaching the Bulldogs. And I was 17 years old. Three weeks after turning 17, I became a mom. And I'm going to be honest, I was mad. I'm going to cry too, so y'all just go ahead and I'm going to cry. I, I got one up here. Um, I was mad at myself, and I was mad at God. I was mad that he would do this to me. I was a good girl. I was 17 years old. I barely had a driver's license. And I was about to start my junior year of high school. And I was mad at him for a long time. And I wanted nothing to do with him, except when I needed him. I only went to church on Easter for years, and there was actually one Easter I did not even go, which we all know living in the South is a big deal. But I was avoiding God. I felt ashamed, not of Braden because I loved him, but ashamed that I had sinned and that everyone knew I had sinned. So we're going to skip forward to 2013 when Josh and I started dating, and we had similar views of God. We didn't really understand anything about religion. We only prayed if we needed something. And we got married in 2015, and we wanted no part of God in our wedding. We didn't want a pastor to marry us because we didn't want to do premarital counseling and have somebody in our business because we had so much business. We were 24. 
we didn't even um, we didn't even want to get married in a church because I felt like I had a child out of wedlock, and now I was marrying a man who wasn't the ch- my father's child. So I was avoiding God just like I had done since I was 17. Um, my grandma, who I was very close to, died two months after our wedding, and she loved God. And she read her Bible every day and went to church on Sundays. And I know it bothered her the way I felt about God. And I know she prayed every single day for my heart to, surf, to soften towards him. And right before she died, I asked her if she was scared. And she told me no because she knew where I was going. And that struck me so much because I didn't know where I was going if I died. And even though my heart was broken when she died, I felt a peace over me that I couldn't explain, and I knew she was okay. And that was the first time I felt God working on me, and I did not want to avoid him anymore. One month later, Cam, who who was here, he was in our wedding. He invited us to church here, and we came on January 24th, 2016, and that was the second time I felt God working on me. In May of 2016, Madison, who comes here, came up to me and my friend Ashley at a wedding and said that she felt God was telling her that we should start a Bible study. And that was the third time I felt God working. And it caught me so off guard because at the time, Madison and I had never hung out and we didn't really know each other. And Ashley and I had actually started talking about starting a Bible study because we had been going to church And I had never even read the Bible. I actually didn't even own a Bible. I had to go buy one. So we started meeting, and we invited Caitlin, who's over next door. And I kept going to those Bible studies, and we kept coming to church. And the more I learned, my heart just kept softening. And now my heart is filled with love of God. Um, This October will be five years since me and Josh have been married, which it feels like 25, but... If you would have told us on our wedding day that less than five years later we would both be saved and baptized, we would have two more children that were dedicated here, and we would be serving next door in the kids' room, we would literally have laughed. And I wish I could go back and tell that 17-year-old girl that God sent his son to die for you so that you don't have to carry your burdens alone. God forgives you. Give yourself the grace that God does. God blessed me with an awesome 12-year-old who is actually next door serving as a youth helper. And he loves God, and he has been saved and baptized. And I pray every night that it doesn't take him or Jackson or Lennon 25 years to see how amazing of a God we serve. And I want them to always know that and to never forget that. So I asked God to put a verse on my heart this week, and this is the one I kept coming to. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Romans 8:38. And I think this one speaks for itself. I tried to separate myself from God's love for a long time because I felt unworthy, but God loved me the entire time. I thought, like most people do, that in order to go to church and follow God, you have to be free from sin, and that's 100% false. Church is for imperfect people to come and encourage and support other imperfect people. So if you are someone who feels like God won't forgive you because of mistakes you've made, and that you can't come to church because you aren't living a godly life, I am here to tell you that he loves you, he will forgive you, and church is for imperfect people. Thank you. Good job. See there? I told you, that's what excites me about doing this, is that we we always get a story and a testimony that has power and redemption. That was a great one. Um, and just watching them, watching them go and grow over the last five years is, has been an honor. And, um, yeah, sorry about the five years thing, Josh. Um, 
It gets, it gets better. Hey, on, we're fa- on Friday, Melanie actually will be married 21 years on Friday. So it gets better. <laughs> it gets good. Um, our next speaker is a man that um, always seems to, to call at the right time. Um, he's walked with God for a lot of years, huh? And uh, he, uh, he's kind of, I'll say this, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this. He's been in my shoes, and so there are times being in this position that you do feel isolated and alone because you can't tell anybody what's going on in your head or how you feel or how, what's going on because it, it's just not appropriate. But, um, so it's nice. Every, every so often, God lays me on his heart, and he'll call me and encourage me, and um, he's actually been up here before. Um, but I don't know. I just something God laid on my heart, so I, f- I felt like asking Him to to do this again. And uh, so, if you would, once you give a round of applause and a great welcome to Mr. Mel Daniels, <laughs> Mr. Mel, you gotta come up here because they can't see you at home if you don't come up here. All right. They, they confiscated all of these things. Because nobody won't get the virus, but like Alma, I did this on one time, and I thought this would be the last time I would do it, and if I have my way, this will be the last time I do it. But my will is not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Um, and if anybody here thinks it's going to take me five minutes to do that, do this, I got some swamp land in Florida to you, see. I um, was born in 1956 in Macon, Georgia, in the Jim Crow South. Now, you young people don't know what the Jim Crow South is. But the Jim Crow South was legalized institutional discrimination. Everybody stayed safe. Everybody stayed part. And I didn't know no white people and didn't particularly want to know none because white people have the idea that only white people are racist. That ain't true. Some of the blackest people I know are racist. And the reason why I wasn't particularly interested in knowing no white people is because I already knew, because I'd been told this, that white people were the devil. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. Well, believe what you want. There are religious doctrines that are built on that principle. That's exactly what the Black Panthers believe. And since white folk was all my problem, I certainly didn't need no more problems, so I didn't want nothing to do with y'all. So I went to um, all-black high school, went to an all-black college, and got a Navy ROTC, a Marine Corps ROTC scholarship in college. And um, I graduated in 1977, went, in the United States Marine Corps as a commissioned officer, first, second lieutenant now. When I went in the Marine Corps, wasn't none of us in there at no officer store. I was the only one in 1,100 men battalion. So now I got to deal with the devil. And I had to learn the devil's language, how he talked, how he moved, because believe this or not, Black people and white people, particularly in that time, came from two different cultures. If I were to tell one of you good hunters in here that I was talking about a red bone, you would swear I was talking about a hunting dog, but I I wouldn't be. I'd be talking about a light-skinned black woman. And if I told you something was bad, you would think it's bad, but really what I'm saying is good. So I had to learn white folks' language, and I had to adapt because they weren't going to adapt to me. I spent 10 years, six active for reserve in the United States Marine Corps, the finest, fight, finest fighting force known to man in defense of this great nation. And it is something that I am exceedingly proud of. My son just came home from Iraq in defense of this great nation. So if you want to bash this nation, you better find somebody else to bash it around. I'll show you what they taught me in the Marine Corps. I'm not interested in that. 
I'd been there 10 years, and I got out and went to teach at the Christian school. Got born again in the Marine Corps, some of the most in-depth Christians you'll ever meet are in the Marine Corps. Death is always in front of you, so you won't always stay right with God, particularly in the infantry, which was where I was at. And I got out of the Marine Corps and came to teach at the Christian school. No idea about no preaching. They just tell me when I was a young boy that I used to preach to the cabbages in the backyard, but I wouldn't do no preaching. I wanted to do all that dirt I could do. And they called me in my college fraternity, Big Brother Dirty Red. And I was dirty and had a hard and a bad, uh, a severe anger problem. You didn't want to meet me in a dark alley, you would have had a bad day. And <laughs> when I got out teaching around all these white people, but I knew the language now. I knew how to deal with white people. And I had found out one thing, two things, that white people were not devils. But I already knew black people were crazy, but I done found out white folks was crazy too. <laughs> so I knew that white folks were just as crazy as black folks. But I knew how to move in between that societies. The, 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 the scripture I like to use is Psalms 37, 23, 24, and it says, the steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord. And though he falls, not if he falls, when he falls, he will not be utterly cast down because the Lord holds him in his hand. And when, you, when I get through this, you're gonna understand why that's my most favorite scripture. And so they started a Bible study over here in Sylvania and they thought it would be a good idea for me to come over here and teach that Bible study. And a little story short, because I only got five minutes, that story, that Bible study, became a church. I remember my background. And when that church started, there were two black people in the church, me and another black man in Sylvania. I had no natural allies. The white people thought I was an uppity nigger, and the black people thought I was Uncle Tom. No natural allies. The first time I went to a convenience store here and paid for something, they put the change on the counter. I, I didn't know what that meant. She kept looking at me, up and down like, okay, I, you know. That was the situation when I got here. But I knew how to deal with that because my steps had been directed by the Lord. I was ready for that. I wasn't ready for somebody to put a gun this far from my forehead, which is what has happened. I wasn't ready for somebody to tell me if they ever caught me slipping, they were going to bust my behind as well. And all that happened. I wasn't ready for that. But I knew that when I came over here that this was the will of God for me. And if I was going to die, that's what I would die doing. And I had a good success here for about five years. And I made some god-awful, terrible decisions. And I failed. The church failed. Didn't fail because God abandoned me. It failed because I left him. There's a thing about it when you're a good preacher. You get to thinking you may be doing all this. And arrogance creeps in. I'm already arrogant enough. Arrogant creeps in. In all of my life, growing up not dirt poor, but poor enough, I've been a giver. My clothes, my money, my cars. Because I read in the Bible, in Luke 6, where it says, give to any man that asks of thee. He didn't say give if God tells you. The Bible is God telling you. And I would have people come into my house three or four o'clock in the morning asking me for something, and if I had it, I gave it to them. That's the way I live now. The Bible hasn't changed. Why is that important? Because I have been there to help people. 
And when I hit the bottom, there was nobody to help me. Nobody. Nobody. And then in the midst of that, Satan came with the coup de gras. You know what the coup de gras is? You ever heard somebody say, I'm putting the finishing nails in you? The coup de gras is the knockout punch. And the coup de gras came when I couldn't pay my light bill. Children. Didn't have any money to buy gas. I remember this like it was yesterday. They came to get my last car. My daughter standing out there with her pigtails on, looking at her daddy. Daddy, stop them. I'm taking my car. It's the last one we got, daddy. Who the girl? Knock me out. Not being for David Burke, a merciful, loving God, and a steadfast wife who has never G or hard. I remember her coming in my house, coming in the house one day, and I couldn't even get out of the bed. And she said, you, you know, you got to get up. And I said, that's easy for you to say. It's not your neck on the, neck, on the line. My neck, and she looked at me and said, big old tears. She said, if your neck is on the line, my neck. I didn't think much of Christian. Didn't want nothing to do with y'all. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And there were only two men who God could use to come and help me. And one of them was David Burke, and the other was J.C. Warren. J.C. didn't know how to help me, but he was there when I needed And every week, David Burke would come out there. Came out there, and there are a lot of things I'm living here. Came out there, and every time he'd come, he would bring me something. And I said to myself, I said, well, I'm tired of this. He just wants me to go to church. So I told him, I said, okay, David, I'll come up here to Believer's Church. And they were in the middle of a mess up here. And I said, David, I'll, go, I'll, I'll come up there with you. And, uh, but you better pick me up so I won't change my mind. So we got there, him and Sherry. And I said to him, now I want you to stay close to me. Because if any one of them jokers even look at me wrong, they going down. And I was not playing. Understand me? I'm not one of these fellas you can make mad and then want to say you sorry. Oh, no. It's on. Like popcorn. He looked at me, yeah, who you think you up there? Who you think up there? I said, you just don't worry about that. You just do what I told you to do. So we walk in the back door, and come in the door, and I'm ready to fight. And Mr. Bell walks up to me and took his hand out and said, how you doing? And I'm curious. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm blessed and highly favored by guarding me. Wow. That wasn't what I was expecting. So I come into church and David walking side by side. I come around on that side of this church and I see Nora Oglesby and she sees me. And I think this was what the prodigal son, what that looked like. And she started running, screaming at the loud, hey, oh, it's you. I said, yeah, it's me. She just, and if you know Nora, she don't do all that. She, she said, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. I said, where's Charles? And I come around there, and here's Charles. Same thing. Same thing. So I sit down. I ain't, I, I ain't at ease now. Nobody, I want nobody around me. And so David sit on this side, and Sherry sit on this side. And so I said, I'll come back another Sunday. And that next Sunday, um, I came, and they were doing this. And 
The last person to speak was on Larry and uh, Renee Rivers. And the whole time them people were talking, they were looking down. They didn't want to tell me. They didn't want to say what they were saying. Nobody wants to tell the worst times of their life. They're like, I don't want to talk about it. And somewhere in between the time they shut up and started, I knew that this is where I had to be. I just knew it. Because if God couldn't make them right, maybe he could help me. Maybe he could help me. And there came hope when there was no faith and no hope nowhere. And I came here, and I've been here for seven years. And there are men and women in this church who should rightfully put me on their W-2 form. <laughs> rightfully. And I didn't have to ask them for a dime, and it wasn't no faith. Oh, I'm putting them on Front Street. At Charles Ogilvy. He'd been a cab for me for three years. I don't care where I got to go, it breaks me. It breaks me. And one of the best friends I have in this world is Larry Rivers, who we have very few things in common. The only thing me and Larry Rivers got in common is he loves God and I love God. He's a Marine and I'm a Marine. He loves the Green Bay Packers and so do I. That's it. Other than that, we ain't got nothing to talk about. <laughs> But there has never been a holiday went by. We learned everything to be like he was mad. Reach in his pocket and take something and give it to me. Is it just a bomb? <laughs> and I get home and see that it was a large bill. There are men and women in this church who bought clothes for me. Chitty, you will never have to worry about no money because of the law of seed time and harvest. That man bought me a shirt every week for weeks. And I'm glad Alma picked them out because the shirts he bought by, I wouldn't want to wear. <laughs> Be orange and with some Oklahoma mess on it. And, and Melanie and Clint Williams, boy, they've been doing something for me because I gave them hell when I first got here. I wasn't into it. I could find everything I could see wrong with them. And somehow, it's time to pass and I would order these books from Melanie, and every time I'd get the book, she'd come up with some reason why I wouldn't have to pay for it. Okay. The goodness of God and the goodness of the people in this church. I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm going to go back up there. I don't want to, but I'm going to go back up there, but I want to make a deal with you. You can make deals with the Lord. You better keep your wind. I said, I'll go back up there and do and be a part of that church. But you've got to put people around me that will be about me like I am about them. And he's done that. Carolyn Taylor sits over there on that side of the table. She was a part of my old church. And every Sunday she'd come over there. Remind me of who I was. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Charles Augusty would look at me, took me in the middle of a firefight one time and tell me how dangerous it was when he was taking But he took me in that fight. Something that was very close to him. The people of this church and the mercy of God has loved me back to hell. And now I'm not, I'm not there, but I'm at the peak of my spiritual power. And every time I get up, Satan says, damn me up again. He got a bad day. He's just got a bad day. And what is my mission in life? I'm a preacher of the gospel, y'all. I was going down 301 one day, and I said, Lord, what am I going to do with all of this knowledge? When am I going to get a chance to tell God's people how to get free. And he said, you got a job. What? You won't let me get no job every time I go get one. You 
You got a job. It's to those good people at Believer's Church. You help them. And Clint and Melanie have never tried to stop me. I'll go from end to end of this church, showing people the laws of God and using the gift for which God has gave me. Because you see, the gifts of God are without repentance. And if you don't know me very well, you'll say I'm an arrogant guy now. I am very arrogant. But I'm arrogant because I'm nothing. But I got a great God whose greatness is so vast and so profound that it is unsearchable and incomprehensible to me. The laws of God are what govern the kingdom of God. And if there's issues in your life, it's because you don't know the laws of God. You just don't know them. It's like the law of gravity. It's not personal. People think it's personal when they don't get their prayers answered. Is it personal? If I fast all night, okay, and I get up on that roof and step off, why did I fall and bust my behind? Why? Why did it happen? I violated the law of God, gravity. And it don't make no difference whether you save, born again, none of that. You violate the laws of God and you will pay the consequences of it. The devil's there waiting on you to pay them. And it doesn't matter if you don't know. You have to know. And I'm here to try to help you know. God bless all of you. And let me say this. I want to leave you all with this. When I was in school, we sang a song at, somewhere between, and it went like this, My country, tears of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee, I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim fry. God bless y'all. God bless the United States of America. Thank you, Mr. Mel. He gets what's called the preacher's courtesy. <laughs> Our next one, and to close this out today, is uh, somebody I've, I've really been blessed by her passion for God, her passion to hear the Father's voice. And uh, when I asked her to, to share, she didn't even hesitate. She fired right back, yes. And uh, they, are, they have been a year or two now, Jenny? How long have you guys been here? A little over a year now? Um, this is their first five for five, um, and she's going to bring it to us. Um, but if you guys would give, and she's obviously comfortable speaking because she brought props. So if you guys would give a big warm welcome to Miss Jenny Daly. Thank you. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this, for your people. This time is, is only about you. Holy Spirit, come like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are probably wondering what this is, like my husband did. This is all of us, every single one of you. I got saved when I was 20. I grew up in Germany, and I went to church twice a year. No one ever told me that you could have a relationship with Jesus. It was just routine. There was nothing behind it. Where are the tissues? I'd love one. Every single person is carrying a load. And if you don't realize it, you're being deceived by the enemy. And if it's not there now, it will come. And I'm out to fight the enemy like no one's business. He has robbed too much from me up until I was 20. And until I take my last breath, I will make it a passion 
to make sure that people know that there's a Savior that loves you more than anything else. Nobody told me that someone could be there for you forever, any time of the day, no matter what. I never knew that. My parents divorced when I was 10. My dad was in the Army. My mom was from Germany. And I grew up in a country that is a huge mission field right now. God has a purpose for your life, a huge purpose. And you have an enemy that is real. And he has worked against all five of us today in different ways of making us anxious, making me nervous, making people think that they can't do it, that they don't have a story to tell. But we all have a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. And I just want to encourage you today that even though you're a part of a church, there's so much more to your walk. I have lived years and years of filling a hole that couldn't be filled with other things. Filling it with the things that we think we can fill it with and make us happy, whether it be wrong relationships, alcohol, drinking, partying, you name it. I used to have a really bad potty mouth. <laughs> People who know me probably think that's crazy, but when I got saved and I was 20, and I surrendered my life, it was the beginning of my journey. And I, I do believe that God has allowed me to see the other side so that I can speak from a point where people will relate. I want them to know that there's more to just going to church. There's more for your life. And you need to find that purpose. And the only way we can find that purpose is to take this baggage and to lay it at the cross. And the one thing that was told to me several years ago was lay it at the cross but they never told me lay it at the cross every day. As Christians, we don't lay this at the cross and walk away and it's hunky-dory day. That's not it. It is a every single day fight. How do we do it? We lay it down and we pray. We lay it down at the cross at the beginning of the day. We set our footsteps right at the beginning of the day with his word, praying, pressing into him so that he can show us our steps. And I see so many people, and the reason I can say this is because I was one of them. I mocked the church. I didn't have a relationship. I didn't have anything deep. But you need to know that once you get to that place of full surrender, he will start a work in your life. He has already started the work, but he will see it. He will actually give you a new set of eyes. And I know that every single one of you in here is carrying something. And I know there's going to be a time of prayer in just a little bit. But I challenge you. I challenge you to just fight the enemy and to just let go of the pride because that was what was in me. I didn't surrender fully my life to him so that he could do a work in me. But once I did... He gave me the opportunity to see things I'd never seen before. So when I started surrendering and praying and making that a part of my everyday life, I started seeing miracles happen. And I know a lot of people will say, I wish I could see that in my life. I wish I could hear that. I wish I could know that he's speaking to me. Then I have to tell you, as a sister in Christ, you haven't fully surrendered. Because if we haven't fully surrendered, he can't do the work in us. But it is the best decision you'll ever make to go full throttle ahead and to get plugged in. If you're saved, get plugged in. Find a group. Study the word. Pray. There's a world out there that needs us. Now more than ever. Fear, is on a, fear and anxiety is on a rampage. 
And the world needs us. The world needs Christ followers standing up and proclaiming his promises that he will take care of us. No matter what, he will take care of us. And I just charge you as a sister and as someone that stood on the other side knowing how it is, I want to step alongside with all of you and be the body that we're called to be. And I thank you for the time and thank you for dealing with my props. <laughs> thank you. They'll help you right there. All right, guys, if you can go ahead and get us back to the worship lighting real quick. This is what I love about this every year. I just kind of take notes, and we're still going to sing our one more song. The kids are okay. We're a little bit over, but I want to make sure everybody had their time to share what God had from them. But get this. We started with Miss Alma talking about God, the things she's went through, the, even the, the shock of life changes. God will never leave you or forsake you. We went to Mr. Buddy Bell. He talked about no matter what you go through, God is there. Miss Heather Stewart talk, gave her incredible testimony. Said even when she wasn't serving God, God was still there. God was still following her, still ministering to her. She said, I see those times where God was, God was speaking to me even when I wasn't serving him. Mr. Mel talked about that God guides every step. Went ways he didn't think it was going to go, yet God brought him around. And then Miss Jenny ended up talking about fighting the enemy. And I love this line, that there's a God that loves you more than you can even know. And he's there with you 24-7. Somebody needs to hear that today. And Jenny asked earlier, as the band, you guys can go ahead and, and play, that uh, she said, I just feel like if there's somebody that is in that place of lost, they just despair and need prayer. As we play this last song, why don't you guys go ahead and stand with me, if you will. And... Uh, down to my right, your left, we normally have our, our prayer team down here, but Jenny's going to join them down there as well. If that's you and you need prayer and you just want somebody to agree with you, to God, to walk you out of maybe the tough time you find yourself in, then make yourself available for that. Let somebody agree with you. Don't leave here today. If you're online watching, send us an email, amen at bchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook or you can send us a message through the app. Don't go through this alone. Because there's a God who loves you. And the Bible says when you simply pray something like this, God, I've messed up. Forgive me. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Then the Bible says your eternity is secure, and now he can begin to heal your heart. If that's you today, if you've made that call, then please let us know. Mark it on the card. Send us a message. If you've, if you've today said Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Maybe you identify with one of the people that spoke and that's you. See, you're not alone and you're not doing this by yourself. Today we walk hand in hand with a God and the Bible is very clear. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen.